The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, January 19th, 2020, on the basis of Colossians 2, verses 6 through 15. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. It has been a full week since I have seen most of you, and so I just have to ask, during the past seven days, did you remember to obey the law? I'm not talking about the speed limit law for those of you who are able to drive. I'm not talking about our nation's tax laws for those of you who may already be getting started on filling out your 1040. Of course, I I hope you did obey those laws. But what I'm wondering is if you remember to obey laws like Newton's third law of motion, the law that says that for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. So that, for example, if you did any walking this week and you used the muscles in your leg to push backwards on the ground that is beneath your feet, that as a result of that action your, your body was propelled forward. Did you remember to obey that law? Or what about the law of gravity? You know, some of that force that you exerted on the ground beneath your feet was actually pointed in a slightly upward direction. And so without the law of gravity, you would just go shooting up from the surface of the ground and floating into outer space. So did you remember to obey the law of gravity? Or how about the second law of thermodynamics? The law that tells you that if you did any of your walking outside, This week. In other words, if you took your human body, which has a a fair amount of heat inside of it, and you took it out into the January air, which especially this week did not have very much heat in it, that naturally the heat flows from the place where there is more of it to the place where there is less of it. And as a result, when you went outside, you got cold. Did you remember to follow that law? It sounds a little bit silly to talk about obeying or following what we might call the laws of nature. In fact, if, if someone talked about how they wanted to try and break one of those laws, we, we'd probably shake our heads at them and, and think uh, them a little bit foolish. But believe it or not, there is another law that is just as certain and just as unbreakable that nonetheless you and I do our very best to try and break all the time. It's sometimes called the law of holes. Have you heard of it before? The law of holes goes like this. If you find yourself in a hole, the very first thing you need to do is stop digging. Yes, if you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. The idea behind that law is that very often we are not very good at figuring out what it is that gets us into the messes we are in. And so when we find ourselves in one of those messes, it is is very easy for us to do things that we think are going to be the solution to our problems when in reality they are the cause of our problems. We do things that we think are going to make things better, but they end up making things worse. We do things that we think are going to get us out of that hole we are in when in reality we end up digging ourselves only deeper. I'm guessing that all of us can think of examples in our lives when we have broken that unbreakable law of holes. In fact, we could probably bring in this morning some sort of business expert who could maybe help you see if you've broken that law when it comes to your career. We could bring in some sort of therapist, perhaps, who could help you see if you've broken that law when it comes to any of your human relationships. We could bring in a financial advisor, and they could help you see if you've broken that law when it comes to managing your money. But of course, what I'm interested in talking about and what these verses 
from Colossians talk about is how very often we can break that same law spiritually when it comes to our relationship with God. That when it comes to our relationship with God, very often we can do things that we think are going to make things better, but in fact only make things worse. Today, God wants to shine some light on that problem. He wants to expose it and help us see it so that it doesn't keep happening to us. And he does so with a message that sounds an awful lot like the law of holes. The law of holes says, if you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. As we look at these verses from Colossians this morning, God says to us, you're already out of the hole, so by all means, don't start digging again. The people to whom Paul is writing this letter are people who have already gotten out of the hole, so to speak. These are people who had heard about the work Jesus had done on their behalf. They had received that gospel message in faith. Their sins were forgiven. They were brought into the family of God. And yet they were being tempted to think that something in their relationship with God was still missing. That there was still some sort of gap between them and God, a gap that needed to be somehow bridged. And in order to bridge that gap, they were being pointed to what Paul calls the elemental spiritual forces of this world. In other words, Paul says that there are are these sort of foundational building blocks that the spiritual forces that try and influence our world are constantly pointing us to and trying to convince us that we can use to sort of bridge that gap between us and God. In fact, we we might even picture it sort of like a a construction site. A construction site where there is a foreman who is looking at his blueprints and he is barking out orders to all of the workers. These spiritual forces at work in the world are constantly telling us, if there's this gap between you and God, you need to build something in order to close that gap. And so here, why don't you pick up this brick and set it right there? And why don't you pick up that brick and place it on top of it? And why don't you grab this one and set it over here? Those bricks, those, those blocks that we are so often pointed to can look like a variety of different things. Let me tell you what they looked like in this city called Colossae. Their entire building project that they were being tempted to undertake was based on the assumption that if, if we're down here and God is up there, if there's this gap that is between us, maybe it's because or maybe it means that everything that is earthly, everything that is material, is sort of bad and sort of evil. And everything that is spiritual and everything that is divine is good. And so maybe the way that we can close this gap, maybe the way we can build our way up to God is if we sort of start distancing ourselves from anything and everything material. I know what I'll do. I won't eat that. I know what I'll do. I I won't touch that. I won't go near that. I won't make use of that. Every single material thing that we can distance ourselves from God is just one more way to kind of inch ourselves closer to him. That idea that that material things are bad and only spiritual things are good is sometimes called dualism. And the idea that we should distance ourselves from material things in order to get closer to God, that's sometimes called asceticism. A lot of fancy words to learn this morning. Now, maybe that all sounds a bit odd, to you and me and a bit outside of our experience, but believe it or not, the same thing can happen to us. Certainly the same foundational assumption that yes, we know that Jesus is our Savior and yes, we know that he died for our sins and through faith in him, all of our sins are forgiven and all of that is important and yet we still somehow think that there is this gap 
between us and God, that something in our relationship with God is still missing. And just as was the case in Colossae, there are still these, these construction site foremen in our world, these spiritual forces at work that are constantly telling us that in order for us to bridge that gap and find our way up to God, we need to build something. The blocks that they point us to in our day probably look a little bit different than they did in Colossae, but they can look very, very similar. These fancy ideas called dualism and asceticism are still very much spooking around in our world. The idea that that only spiritual things, immaterial things are good, and that material, physical things, earthly things are somehow inferior. And the way to get closer to God is to sort of distance ourselves from as much of that material world as we possibly can. I know what I'll do. I'll be very careful about what I eat. I'll decide not to eat meat. I won't eat any processed sugars. I'll only eat things that are entirely natural, 100% organic. Or, you know what the problem is, right? It's technology. Technology is ruining our lives. Technology is taking over everything. So I'm just going to quit social media. I'm going to take my smartphone and I'm going to throw it in the garbage. Or actually, you know what the problem is, right? It's Hollywood. And it's the music industry. Those songs, those movies, it's just one big giant cesspool of sin. And so the only movies that I watch and the only music that I listen to is going to be music and movies that are explicitly, overtly, exclusively Christian in their message. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with doing any one of those things. In fact, there might be a lot of good reasons to try doing all of those things. But one of them is not that it will somehow get you closer to God. And don't be fooled. There very much still are spiritual forces at work in all of those different areas. There still are foremen looking at their blueprints, barking out orders, and telling you that those are the kinds of things, those are the blocks that you can use to build your way back up to God. So we need God to shed some light on those blueprints for him to expose the folly of that strategy. And here's what God says. All of those strategies, all of those ideas are based on the assumption that sin is something out there, outside of me. Something that if I work really hard, I can kind of distance myself from. God tells us, of course, that sin is not something out there. It's something inside here, something that I cannot possibly escape. What that means is that anytime I I look at something and I convince myself that I can use it to build my way closer to God because I am the one who is doing the building, I'm actually not building at all. I'm not getting any closer to God. In fact, I'm getting farther and farther away. I might look at that thing, whatever it is, and and think that it's a step that gets me closer to God. It's actually a shovel that gets me farther away. I'm not building. I'm digging. And in fact, the really sad thing is that we're already far enough away from God by nature to begin with. It's already difficult enough for us to keep the laws that God actually makes. How foolish of us. Why in the world would we want to add to that list of laws by making up laws of our own? Sin is not something that is outside of us, that if we work really hard, we can distance ourselves from. As a result, anytime we think we are building our way closer to God, we're actually digging our way farther from God. But thankfully, in these verses, Paul also exposes the folly of that entire assumption that somehow there's this gap between us and God that still needs to be closed. 
So you think that there is some distance between you and God, Paul says. You think that, that maybe only spiritual things are good and material things are evil. God begs to differ. Paul says this, In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So while you down here are, are trying to separate yourself from material things, do you know who is joining himself to material things? God is. God is taking all of his divinity, the fullness of his divinity, and he is joining it to human flesh and blood in his son, Jesus Christ. He is pouring every last drop of his divinity into human cells and human tissue and human organs in the person of Jesus Christ. And as a result, that same fullness, that same completeness that existed in Jesus Christ is also a free gift to you. Why? Because in your baptism, Paul says, God has joined you to Jesus. No, sin is not something out there that we can just distance ourselves from. Sin is something in here, but in baptism, God took that sinful flesh, he took that sinful nature, and he put it to death. He buried it, Paul says, with Jesus. But then just as Jesus rose from the dead three days later, so also in baptism a resurrection took place. A new life came into being. A new person through faith in God, a person whose sins are forgiven, a person who is a child of God. Why in the world would we think that we can possibly build ourselves, build our way any closer to God than we already are? God has joined himself to us in the incarnation, in the Son of God taking on human flesh. And God has joined us to him in our baptisms. Yes, because we are sinful, even when we think we are building, we're only digging. But the good news is that because of Jesus, absolutely no building is necessary in the first place. That's the point that Paul really wants to drive home with these Colossians. So much so, that he uses a very vivid and beautiful picture. In fact, still these days, sometimes that expression of being in the hole is used to describe being in debt to someone, right? If you're in debt, you're, you're in the hole. Well, Paul says, picture a piece of paper that lists the entirety of a person's debt, that lists every single thing that we owe to God because of our sin. And as I mentioned already, that list is already long enough by itself because of how impossible it is for us to keep God's commands. And then, foolish as we are, sometimes we come along and we make that list even longer with the things that we decide to try and follow ourselves. We put ourselves in even further debt to God. But then, Paul says, Jesus took that list and he destroyed it by nailing it to his cross. You maybe know that in biblical times, it was very common when someone was crucified for the charges that were brought against them to be nailed to the cross above their head. That's why when Jesus was crucified, the Roman governor Pontius Pilate posted that notice about Jesus that said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Well, when Jesus was put to death, the charges for which he was dying were not his own, of course. He was innocent. He was dying for our sins. That piece of paper that listed every single way in which we owed God, Paul says, was destroyed by being nailed to the cross. What that means is that God didn't simply take that paper and erase it all and say, here you go, start over. You've got a clean slate. 
He didn't just smear over what was written there with something else. He didn't scribble over it with even darker ink than was already there. No, he did something far better than that. He destroyed the whole piece of paper. He eliminated the possibility that anything could ever be written on that piece of paper again. You've maybe been in a situation in your life when you've really wanted to write something down and you've looked and looked for a piece of paper and you you just can't find anything to write it on. Let's say you met a pretty girl who agreed to give you her phone number. And because you swore off technology, you didn't have your smartphone with you. And so you you were looking for something to write down, but you just couldn't find a piece of paper. What a frustrating thing. Paul is saying that just in case, just in case, anyone, including you and me, would want to take that piece of paper and once again write something on it. Jesus destroyed the piece of paper entirely. He destroyed it by nailing it to the cross. And in the process, he exposed the folly of those foremen and their blueprints, those spiritual forces that are at work in our world with their elemental principles that they like to tell us to pick up and try and build our way closer to God with. Imagine for a moment that you were trying to uh, build a house for yourself and for your family. You wanted to build your dream home, and so you were interviewing a variety of different builders. You sit down with one of them, and the builder says to you, I can build you the perfect home. Of course, we want this home to have a very solid roof on it. We want to protect you from the rain and the snow. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take rolls of sod and we're going to roll it over the roof of your house. And then over that sod, we're going to put a thick layer of twigs and leaves. And that ought to protect you from the rain and the snow. And of course, we don't just want to protect you from the rain and the snow. We want to protect you from the cold as well. We want this house to be well insulated. And don't you worry, we've got this awesome insulation material. It's called asbestos. And we are going to put this everywhere in your house so that even if a polar vortex hits, you will be warm, safe, and cozy inside. And then, of course, we want your house to look good too. And so after we're done, we're going to cover every square inch of the inside of your house with this beautiful lead paint that we have. And it's just going to be wonderful. You can even pick out all the different colors that you want to use. I'm guessing you would be running for the door at that point. Each and every one of those building practices has been exposed already as either foolish or downright dangerous. In the very same way, Jesus has exposed the folly of these elemental spiritual principles of our world. He has exposed their folly as they sit there and tell us that we need to build our way closer to God. He has demonstrated in the cross of Jesus that even when we think we're building, we're only digging. But because of Jesus, absolutely no building is necessary. You might say that he has established a law that is as certain and unbreakable as that famous law of holes. He has established the law that you are already out of the hole. And so why in the world would you want to start digging again? Why in the world would you try and build yourself any closer to God when you are already as close as you can possibly be? So as you get ready to head out for another week, another seven days surrounded by those elemental spiritual principles, realize that all of them are going to try and get you to do the exact opposite. And so as you head out for another week, take my advice and remember to obey the law. Amen.